This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pat him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Here we are on the Wards Got Files. Let me turn my computer down and not hear myself. And, um, Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Manly Man Cave Command Center. And uh, we're going to do a little show here for you today, try to keep you involved in what's going on and uh, uh, keep you stirred up a little bit involved in, in class. And thanks for coming. Thanks for spreading the word. And uh, uh, thanks for being involved with the Ward Scott Files. Um, appreciate the donations to a couple of you, three of you are really keeping us going right now. Uh, you get a private card from me whenever you. Uh, once in a while, my appreciation. So um, thank you very much. And also thanks to all the sponsors we've got who've been sticking with us through the cancel culture assault on uh, conservative talk and um, um, all the above, which we'll talk about a little bit more today because it concerns what's happened to the guy who who called in and uh, uh, talked to Joe, uh, Uncle Joe Biden. So he's catching a little flack, too. Um Call the show today the um, pandemic migration, and I, I think you'll see why as I develop the show, and uh, you 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 kind of hear what I'm talking about. Um, hello, hello, Gina. Um, today um, I want to just take time out. I know it's not co not Coach Hogg's locker room, but you know I was a coach during the time of John Madden reign, and, uh, and in that era. And John Madden uh, of the Oakland Raiders, who just died yesterday, was my kind of guy, my kind of coach. Um, I, I coached for a coach, um, Jim Nyblack, who many, many people think of as our local version of John Madden. Uh, Jim Nyblack had been a, um, a Marine Corps uh, drill sergeant at Paris Island, and he'd been a Marine in Korea, and he coached football just like everybody was at Paris Island. Um, and we had tough teams and we had tough guys and we had tough routines we went through. And uh, our, our, our kind of private saying was, um, uh, you, you may beat us on the scoreboard, but you won't beat us physically. And you'll regret ever having come here to try to do it. After Dr. K came along uh, and invented the Gatorade and tried it out on us and Gators, uh, we realized that there was something to it. And we began to drink it and have an advantage in the fourth quarter as a high school team. Uh, and Gators over there at the uh, University of Florida were drinking it as well. And, and um, uh, we discovered that it really did give us a, kind of an extra pump in the fourth quarter when quite often you were dragged down by the combat on the field and, and to take somebody else's territory. Football is a territorial acquisition game where we actually take your territory. And um, it's very primitive in that respect. And uh, involves a lot of violence and defense and offense and strategies. It's like war. So um, there we were. We we had Gatorade and it came along. There were a lot of things happening then. And uh, of course we had another interesting coach going on 
uh, Fran Kersey down at the University of Tampa, who assembled misfits uh, quite and handled them quite nicely. And the reason I'm going to talk a little bit about Coach Kersey is because Coach Kersey also was watched by the Oakland Raiders, who had a pro version of the Tampa Spartans, if you will, and had a team of misfits. And I'm going to tell a few stories you know, about them. One of the things you have to be careful about as a coach and having been involved in a football world, um, probably other worlds too, but football especially since it's so violent uh, uh, and such a test of manhood, uh, you have to be careful how you tell the public the stories. Uh, I've listened to some of the sports talk shows here. Uh, we've got a really nice one with Shane Matthews. I've listened to the guys, but they don't ever really tell the real stuff. Um, the, uh, the public doesn't hear that. And uh, no, we keep that out of sight because it's, um, you know, it's just it's not something for the, for the uh, meek and the mild to hear uh, goes on. And, and um, so, so we, we had several coaches then. I was involved in that world then. And um, we had uh, the big one, as uh, Jim Knobloch was known. We had John Madden, of course, in the Oakland Raiders. And we had Frank Kersey at Tampa Spartans. Uh, just to back up a little bit and tell you about the Spartans, they were assembled from rejects from other teams. And the rejects from other teams were outstanding players. It wasn't a transfer portal then, but there was another league. Uh, I've forgotten the, nu the numbering of it now, but these guys could, Kersey could get them, but say University of Florida couldn't. And um, because of eligibility and rules and NCAA and all that uh, mess. So, um, uh, you know, Tampa was assembled with the likes of John Matusak. And where I'm going to go with that story on John Matusak is going to go over to John Madden. And so we had John Matusak at Tampa. I was very familiar with the Tampa team. Um, and I was, um, you know, had knew a lot of the players and, and uh, had known them as young, young players. And uh, so you had John, you had uh, Sammy Gilderstead, who was the nose guard for Tampa, who had gotten crossways in a row with Paul Bear Bryant. Uh, came out of Alabama, became the nose guard for Tampa Spartans. Uh, you had the great Freddie Solomon, who went on to all kinds of NFL records with San Francisco. Uh, you had uh, just one great player after another there. Uh, you had Ron Michalowczyk, who played with the Chicago Bears, an offensive tackle after he uh, got out of Tampa. But John Matusak was the one who was really larger than life in many, many ways. First of all, he was uh, 6'9", 6'10" and uh, a bodybuilder, uh, and uh, 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 you know, he'd been thrown out of the University of Missouri for fighting somebody over something, and uh, of course, Kersey picked him up right away, and he was a first-round draft choice of the Oakland Raiders, uh, so um, he was, um, had a big afro on his head, so he really was about seven feet tall, but, and he wore cowboy boots, and so he was, he was just a giant of a man, and he was in tremendous shape. He looked like a bodybuilder, and um, he was picked up by the uh, John Madden right away as a perfect fit for the team that had the likes of Jack Tatum on it as a free safety from Ohio State, who God knows there was no such thing as helmet to helmet then. And guys were just smashed by Tatum playing and roaming around back there at free safety. But the, the story that I want to share with you, which I can share with you, which um, uh, uh, Kenny Stabler, Snake Stabler, uh, who was the uh, left-handed quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, who had played for Paul Bear Bryant at Alabama. Uh, I knew him a little bit, and, of course, I knew Matusak a little bit. Um, and uh, 
as a lot of the other guys that you know that I knew also that were uh, Leon X Ray McQuay, who went on for a brief deal with the Giants, a tremendous player, um, the Emmett Smith of the time, if you will. And, and, and so uh, uh, Ken Staber came here to talk to one of the football booster clubs. And I went up to him before he spoke and I said, uh, Kenny, how about telling a couple of John Matusak stories? And um, he's like, you know, Ward, I can't do that, you know. Um, and I said, listen, this is all mostly men. Back then, the clubs were pretty much men. Uh, now they're men and women. But, you know, uh, back then it was the men. So you could tell some pretty raunchy stuff. Uh, I, I heard some of the funniest comedies. Uh, acts I'd ever by just the homegrown boys uh, up at the podium telling jokes. It's some of the funniest stuff I've ever heard in my life, which is all politically, uh, you know, impossible to do now. And, you know, humor basically is gone from the world by the woke uh, people. So anyway, back then it was really funny. So I went up to uh, uh, Kenny Stabler and he was a speaker that night. I said, uh, Kenny, how about telling a John Matusak story? He said, Warren, I can't do that. I said, come on, you must have one. He said, okay, I got one I can tell. Now, this poor bunch of, this is a story he, he's going to tell before a bunch of raw bone men you would think could take anything. Um, but still, you know, the Matusak story, you want to be really careful how you tell them. Uh, I know a bunch of them I might want to tell here is a family show. Uh, and a bunch of the others on guys that were, he was surrounded by, who Frank Kersey was somehow keep, could keep pointed in, in the right direction. Uh so and work together as a team. It was amazing. But um, Staber told the crowd, he said, well, I've been asked to tell a story about John Matusak. There's one I think I can tell. He said, uh, I had a, a, a had an apartment there in Oakland. And of course, Staber was the Oakland uh, uh, quarterback and Coach Madden was the was the coach. And and he said, I got a call from Coach Madden one day. And he says, Kenny, he said, uh, our first round draft choice is sleeping in his car in the parking lot of a gun range. And uh, we can't have that. I mean, we're the Oakland Raiders, and our number one draft choice isn't, isn't staying anywhere. He, he sleeps in his car so he can get up and go to the gun range. Well, you take him as a roommate. Well, <laughs> you can imagine. Um, uh, uh, Kenny's totally always amazed. I didn't, God knows. I mean, I, I, I really, what are you going to tell Coach Madden? You're going to tell him, no, I'm not going to follow your, your uh, suggestions and uh, take on this roommate. And so he says, uh, Madden, uh, Kenny's told him, Madden, he says, oh, you're okay, coach. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take him. Well, he said, Stabler said not long after that, there was a knock on his door. And he opened the door, and there stood John Matusak. And John Matusak was standing there in cowboy boots, a 10-gallon cowboy hat, and two pearl-handled revolvers in holster on his waist. And <laughs> and that was just really the tip of the iceberg uh, with Matusak. Uh, he later, before he uh, died a premature early death from the hard living, wrote a book called, or helped, somebody helped him write the book called uh, uh, Cruising with the Twos. And uh, Twos was his nickname. And But he came out of Tampa. He had been banned from Hillsborough County, by the way, by the judge down there for being just too outrageous and too too um, confrontational and controversial and in every trouble followed him everywhere. And uh, so they actually banned John Matusak from ever coming back to Hillsborough County where Tampa was, the University of Tampa. So, uh, you know, he arrives and sleeps in his car uh, in, in, uh, with his pearl handled revolver strapped on his hips. Um, 
in front of the gun range and Coach Madden tells Kenny, you got to take him in. We just can't have that. You know, well, that was a heck of a team they had. And uh, John Madden was, okay, you're right, quite frankly, my kind of coach because I was coaching with what could have been his twin brother, uh, Big Jim Nyblag, uh out at uh, uh, Gainesville High. And his reputation, of course, is all over the place uh, around here. And uh, everybody who's played for Big Jim uh, has a story to tell. Or if it can't tell it, you know, a lot of them you can't tell. And uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but that, that is, that's the John Madden, whom I never met personally, but felt like I'd known all along. And I used to love his color commentary as he would talk uh, about the athletics that he was watching. Uh, he was about as big a character as Dizzy Dean. Now, I don't know if you guys um, uh, are of the generation I'm of, but I used to listen to uh, Pee Wee Reese and, and Dizzy Dean broadcast the Dodgers games or any of the other pro games. And I'll tell you, there was never anybody that I ever listened to uh, in the world talk about baseball like Dizzy Dean. <clears throat> and, um, uh, and it was just, I tune in just to hear Dizzy Dean. And of course, this is back in the day when Brooklyn was in Brooklyn and, uh, you know, the people really got an affinity for, affinity for their teams and identified with them and had loyal uh, people. And of course, money broke it up and the Dodgers went to L.A. And that was really kind of the end of, uh, of association uh, with the team by location. The same sort of thing is happening uh, to the football world now in college. I think you've seen the last of uh, collegiate collegiality in college sports because of the transfer portal. Uh, the guys are we, we, we created. I was talking this over. This is the one thing <clears throat> that my liberal friend with whom I had lunch a couple of days ago uh, that I talked to you about yesterday agreed on. Uh, he and I agreed that we have done a very good job as a country creating a culture of selfishness. Uh, everybody is about himself or herself. Uh, there's no sense of community. Uh, there's no sense of taking care of the others. Uh, there's no sense of reaching across the aisle, uh, cooperating, uh, negotiating. It's all divisiveness and name calling and uh, all that kind of business. At the end of the show, I want to talk a little bit about how Victor Davis Hansen sees this. And uh, he's one of the brightest uh, um, analysts of our culture I, I, that I know of, and uh, along with a couple of other, Thomas Sowell uh, is a good one. Uh, but um, uh, that that was the era of of, of uh, uh, that's gone. I mean, and um, so that, so the Oakland had gone out there and had taken root because Oakland is a blue collar uh, community, and it's a rough and tumble. Uh, there's no all the higher ups are across the bay at San Francisco and all that business. But, uh, you know, you still have a little bit of that uh, association with the community. I remember I went up to Chicago to see the White Sox and see Minnie Minosa. And, um, you know, I think the White Sox then were still kind of associated. Of course, the Cubs were always loved by Chicago. They refused the lights at Wrigley Field, all that business. And uh, kind of grew up in the era of those guys. Uh, with the Cincinnati Reds, who actually went through the the contortions of you, you think this name changing business you know, with a Washington team is new? Uh, they actually changed the Cincinnati Reds to the Cincinnati Red Legs because somebody said, "Oh my God, 
you can't call that Cincinnati baseball team Reds because that means they're commies. So in some fit of re, uh, rebranding, they went through and called briefly, as I remember. I don't think it ever lasted long. I think by the time Johnny Bench came along, we we're back to the Cincinnati Reds. Um, but um, my favorites that I watched then were Ted Kulazewski and uh, guys like this who were in the league, Minnie Minosa, Willie Mays, guys, and, of course, Mantle. Uh, not Maris so much. He came along later, but certainly Mantle. Uh, but Pee Wee Reese and uh, uh, those guys were Johnny Temple um, guys. So we're talking about what uh, we're talking about with Madden. We're talking about the passing of an era, really, uh, where the old time rough and tumble kind of uh, shirt tail out rather than tucked in coach who is barking up and down the sidelines to a bunch of uh, ruffians is, is kind of gone. Um, there's so much uh, money now in the game. I think it's corrupted it. Um, you know, but it was fun to watch when I was a kid. My favorite of all time was, of course, the great back. I think it's the greatest football player ever was Jim Brown. I uh, watched him with Max Speedy, Otto Graham, Lou Latogarosa, uh, these guys. But, man, there was nobody uh, like Jim Brown. And, uh, and he's still with us. Uh, uh, the, the old argument, who was better, Jim Taylor or Jim Brown? Uh, there was no, there was no contest, you know, it was just no contest. Jim Brown was just by far um, the better of the two, as far as I was concerned. But, you know, we, um, we, we, these coaches are leaving. And the reason I, I, I mentioned um, the age of them, they, they pass about in their mid seventies. I used to, when I was on the sidelines with these giants of manhood, I used to wonder how are these old warriors going to die. You know, how does an old warrior die? You know, I knew that uh, the Eskimo warriors, the old guys go out on an ice floe by themselves and uh, just will themselves to pass. I mean, that's at least a story I've heard that that they just they, that's the way they do it. They, they sense the end. They, they realize, you know, this is the name of the whole game. It's mysterious and nobody knows how it works. And I go out on the ice floe alone and I, and I will I will bid my father to do. I used to wonder when I was on the sidelines with these powerhouse guys, you know, and now I now I'm at the end of the rope myself here, if you will. And and, you know, you wonder how you going to face it. You know, how are you going to deal with? It? Well, I faced it twice now and it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. Uh, it brings a kind of peace to you that you don't have any 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 comparable for. And I like to think, you know, I read reread Jim Knobloch's. Uh, obituary, one of the former players uh, posted it and it said, but died peacefully at home. Um, wow. I think, you know, maybe that's man, given all the violence that I was always around him in and all that to die peacefully at home. Um, wow. I guess that's a consummation devoutly to be wished as Hamlet would say. So um, uh, uh, I don't know what, uh, what finally was the, peril that uh, 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 Coach Madden succumbed to, but he was really a colorful character. Uh, in my book, he was right in there with the best of the announcers, and I say Dizzy Dean, uh, who really was in the early days of TV, uh, one of the great announcers, and Pee Wee Reese and those guys um, uh, really were, were fantastic representations for, for me in, in, in the baseball world. I was a baseball pitcher in high school, left-hander with a lot of junk. And I used to, to watch these guys and um, see how they did things and purported and, com and comported and all that business. And traveled quite often because our coach was a scout for the Reds. 
uh, we would we would travel to Cincinnati to Crosley Field and take a look at uh, what was going on there. I've been to Yankee Stadium. Uh, been this, I've been to the Mets deal um, across the street from the U.S. Open. Um, been, you know, the White Sox world. Uh, but that's, you know, that's basically um, it. So we're talking about these old coaches uh, who are giants um, um, beginning to um, uh, go, go, go well, what my chemistry buddy says, the great periodic chart in the sky. Um, I just had to take time out and talk about it. Uh, because um, uh, I don't see those type of coaches now. Of course, I'm not down there on the sideline or in anywhere near them in the, in, in the film room or anything. But um, and I don't really have any relationship with any of the young players uh, anymore. But um, uh, once upon a time, I knew what they were teaching uh, in terms of character values, and I just I just can't believe that they're the same character values now that we taught then. And, and, and now it seems to me it's all about yourself. And I, I'm just having a little trouble with that. Uh, but I, I, I want to tip my hat to John Madden. Uh, you can look up all the stats and you can look up all of the things that he was known for. Um, I think Pat Summerall worked with him at one time. Pat Summerall was from right up here in Lake City. Um, so um, um, I have seen, talked a little bit, Pat Summerall, not much. Um, so anyway, uh, um, uh, that, that, that's where we are. And I wanted to take time out, uh, not necessarily here in a uh, uh, Coach Hogg's locker room, but just because this is one of the characters that, that has been uh, out there in the world um, 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 making, making uh, an impact on young people and even adults. And, um, and, and you know, we're losing, we're losing kind of that kind of type of character, I would, I would suggest. Um, a little couple things on the uh, on the COVID front. I, as I say, I can't seem to get away from it. Um, there, uh, there is a COVID nineteen advisor. I'd never thought of this. I thought I'd just throw this into the classroom discussion today. Um, that, that that is voicing his opposition to uh, unemployment benefits for unvaccinated workers. Um, this whole argument, and we've we've um, shown it yesterday. Uh, with the uh, former Playboy model in Oakland. I thought I had to, had to laugh when I saw it was an Oakland Raider cheerleader. I, I guess uh, maybe with Tusac and those guys uh, might my, 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 uh, find her combativeness interesting. But uh, uh, this whole unemployment, you know, unemployment benefits for unvaccinated workers uh, who lose their jobs over vaccine mandates, that has come into the discussion in the political discussion. I suppose there's no end to it. Uh, from everything I can tell, everything I can research, and, and I, you know, I, I firmly believe that nobody really finally knows much at all about COVID. But uh, apparently this latest version, Omicron, who I've forgotten there's, a, there's something behind it being called that because it had a, uh, it was in line to be called something else, but it wasn't going to be politically correct or something. I can't remember. Everybody knows, let me know. But, um, uh, it's not that, apparently not that bad, uh, quote unquote, da, 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 dare I speak any more about that. But um, <clears throat> um, there's discussion now that governors are rewarding people for doing society harm. Uh, this is coming out of the uh, Biden transition team doctors. Uh, so they're taking the position that the federal government uh, <clears throat> has the final say 
And yet you see Biden, Uncle Joe, come out and say uh, what has really got all of the Democrats in, in, in a tizzy now is that he tells the, the federal government, Biden tells the governors, well, you guys got to take it over uh, because um, the federal government doesn't have any answers uh, to this. Uh, we don't we don't know how to fix it. Well, th so there's there's two different messages coming. And this shouldn't surprise anybody by now. Um, there are two different messages coming out of the Biden White House. One from Biden himself, who may not even realize is another message uh, that um, uh, you really uh, need to be careful now because uh, you don't give any federal money to people who didn't get vaccinated. That's one voice. And the other voice is from Biden saying, well, we can't do anything about uh, and it's directed to the governors. Um, and, and so Biden turns around and tells the governor, well, you got it. We're going to pass the baton off to you. We can't we can't deal with it. Of course, there's another wrinkle to this, which is really kind of funny. Uh, China is mocking uh, 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 the, the Biden by saying, come on, man, the uh, Chinese state run Global Times. I just wanted to cover this with you before we take a break. The Chinese state-run Global Times newspaper, it's a propaganda newspaper according to the West, and the West is it's nothing but propaganda newspapers, you might, you might realize. Um, they have mocked Joe Biden for abandoning his campaign promise to end the Chinese coronavirus pandemic and declaring that uh, there's no federal solution to the problem. Boy, I tell you what, the Chinese jumped on that right away and quote-unquote, out of the uh, Global Times is this line. Did American politicians' promises during the U.S. presidential elections mean anything at all? This is China asking about our elections. Well, we know the answer. Those who you know, no, they didn't. Um, so the Times concludes that Biden, as, as a president, is a failure because um, he hasn't done anything in American democracy that he said he was going to do. So American democracy as a political system, China says, is dubious. You know, you got to remember that there's a larger audience watching us than just us. You know, and I, when I was in Europe and looked back on the continent of America, I thought, my God, we look like children. And we have all our crummy Hollywood movies and crap like that suck. And everybody's shooting everybody and this, that, and that. what the hell are we doing? And the, the students in Europe knew more about American literature than the students I taught in America. It's just crazy. So as a presidential candidate, China reminded Biden that he promised uh, last year to shut down the virus. You know, the guy just says anything he wants to say. This gives all politicians a bad eye. Um, and, and, you know, this is uh, he told uh, the Chinese are picking up these quotes. He told Americans they would have to wear sanitary masks for only 100 days. OK. And of course, the Chinese are sensitive to it because it's been called the Chinese virus. And it's also suggested they turned it loose on purpose. So um, um, they were really after him and um, rightfully so. As a guy, you can't believe a thing he says. Uh, he'll say something and not know what he said and um, and, you know, wait for somebody to catch him. And then he said, well, hell, I don't I didn't realize I said that. It's just it's just it's just nuts. So um, China is out there uh, mocking the, the tar out of uh, out of uh, old Uncle Joe and mocking the whole because he represents a democratic system. 
mocking the whole system. Um, so it's 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 um yeah. Meanwhile, well, we're gonna we're gonna take a break in a minute because I, uh, I'm, I think we're gonna have a little fun today on the break. Production's gonna play some of the things we've had recorded over time. Uh, we'll take a few of those. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna talk about the great pandemic migration, which is a coming out of California. Uh, California, I've often thought maybe the best thing that happened to California is if we, it just broke off during an earthquake and floated out in the Pacific like a Hawaiian Islands and we'd be done with it. And and because it's absolutely the pits. But we're going to take a break, for, thank our sponsors. I want to thank our donors. Uh, two or three of you, they're just keeping us going hot, you know, really, really well. Thank you very much. And uh, we could stand a few more like you. Um, and uh, uh, we're all we're all looking forward to keeping you informed and making your classroom activity here with Professor Warthog interesting and informative. Be right back on the Ward Scott Files. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, r r Construction, Gators Dockside, and style cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. were lard, you couldn't grease a small frying pan. I was up working on some project here with uh, the biomass. Why don't they just turn it into a brewery? Ken Cornell, known as the thin-skinned water boy, Ken Cornell. Known as Mini Mike and Cornell Wears elevator shoes and Cornell He just wants to be like Check this out, Warthog He's gonna come up the steps Here he comes Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Shit. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Can Hi, we, boy. Can we touch him? No, no don't. <laughs> Help me! Help! Help! If your brains were lard, you couldn't grease a small frying pan. All right, welcome back to Words Got Files. We played a few ditties there for you. We haven't played for a while, and uh, hope you appreciated them. Um, played that little Ken Cordell ditty and uh, the biomass and 
And a great one. I think it's Plantation Mark's voice. If uh, your brains were large, you couldn't grease a frying pan. Wow. Wow. Well, there's a pandemic migration. I don't know if you know about it or not. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it with you. See if I can find it here in all my midnight, all my junk. I got so many. Here it is. You know, I'm a single staff member here. Assemble all this stuff for you myself. Every once in a while, you know, one of you great research team guys gives me something. I use this. So don't don't forget that. Keep that coming, too. Um, this is out of the Wall Street Journal. You know, I read the Wall Street Journal. I, I read a lot of stuff. I uh, read a lot of literature, read a lot of poetry. Um, I don't go to the movies. Um, don't listen to music unless it's old timey music like either country music, old country music, or maybe I'll um, listen to the old uh, original rock and roll stuff. And, um, you know, some of Tom Petty, whom I like and quite a bit and taught and, you know, used to know pretty well. And um, I think his lyrics are really good. So this great pandemic migration um, is it's, it's an article about how COVID has changed uh, America. And I thought this was interesting enough to put it in the classroom discussion today. Um, this is coming out of the Census Bureau. Uh, from July 1st, 2020 to July 1st, 2021. And this data has been used for this year's congressional reapportionment. And it was based on where people claimed to live on April 1st, 2020. And in between the measuring times there that I gave you, 2021 and 2020, uh, there are 15 months of lockdown. And so this is a pretty interesting study. You can take those 15 months of lockdown and study them. And if you have good techniques for research, you can draw some conclusions uh, that might be useful. Illinois' population declined by another 141,000 between spring 2020 and the past summer. Um, so there's a, a net of 151,000 left the state for other states. Okay. California lost uh, 429,283 people. And the biggest loser of all, I'm afraid they're coming to Florida. And I'm afraid they're going to bring their politics to Florida. If they're, if they're liberal, we don't want them. Uh, the biggest loser of all is New York. That state's population shrunk uh, by 406,000 people. I'm rounding these numbers off. Uh, half a million. Half a million people got the heck out of New York. So you add all those up. Now, on the other hand, where do those people go? <clears throat> Texas added almost 400,000 new residents, including a little over 200,000 from other states. Uh, Florida gained almost 250,000. From uh, other sta other states, and <clears throat> Florida population's growth, according to the analysis here, would have been greater if it not been for the high number of COVID deaths in the older population. So that apparently skewed some of the statistics. Um, the the interesting thing here is um, uh, the migration has been going from the high to the low-tax states, especially the low-tax states in the so-called Sun Belt. 
And uh, this trend has really accelerated during the pandemic. Uh, the Democratic states have tended to, Democratic states, get this now, have tended to impose the strictest lockdowns and school closures, uh, while those governed by Republicans allowed the most businesses and schools to stay open after spring 2020. Now, I got to tell you, my little liberal friend with whom I had lunch a couple of days ago um, never brought that up. That was an inconvenient truth. You see, the, the Democrat never brings up an inconvenient truth. It's just the way it works. Just doesn't bring it up and leaves it out of his computations. So California's net outflow has increased by 75% in that one year's time. Um, New York's outflow has doubled and Texas's inflow has increased by almost 50% and Florida's has increased by about 50%. So um, this, is, this is all about COVID and people being shut down, locked down, uh, pushed around by the Democrat governors. And I don't know how this is going to play out in the presidential race, but it's probably going to have a, a, an influence on that and the 2022s. So uh, right now it's impossible to quantify exactly the cause and effect impact uh, on the school closures and lockdowns and migrations and all that. But the correlation, if it's clear from the data, if it turns out the data turns out to be pretty darn, if it turns out to be pretty accurate, uh, there's also an impact on taxes. Um, the uh, 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 Washington state has no income tax before the pandemic, and it had been drawing people from other states. Uh, but now it's got severe lockdowns and school closures, and it's imposing a 7% tax on capital gains exceeding $250,000. And that is going to make it very unattractive to live in Washington state. Uh, the, the many GOP-led states, which include Tennessee, Idaho, Tennessee, Idaho, and Arkansas, or Arkansas, have cut taxes during the pandemic. And more than a dozen, such as Georgia, Missouri, and West Virginia, also expanded school choice. Um, so, you know, the pandemic, which so far has been, in least recent memory, a once-in-a-lifetime event has caused enormous, and we've been covering this in bits and pieces as they've trickled out of the out of the uh, news factories and the doctors' offices and the hospitals. Um, it's caused enormous, and this goes unsaid, really, social and economic upheaval. But the big thing we're talking about with this particular analysis is population shifts, and uh, and the fact that COVID has heightened, this is a very important, underscore this students, this will be on the test. I will ask you, what is one of the unexpected consequences of COVID, all right? And it is that COVID has heightened the distinction between Republican lawmakers who have been striving to protect individual freedom, even amid crisis, and Democrats who want to impose and are imposing more government control. That is a, I wish I'd known this um, and had this research under my belt when I had lunch a couple of days ago with my liberal friend. I would have brought that up. 
And of course, by knowing my liberal friend and their 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 tendencies to uh, resort to any tactic they can when they're pushed into a corner, they would probably uh, what they do is they would probably attack Trump. If I had brought this up, I, I'm just speculating, but I, I'm not too far off here. Believe me, I'm not too far off. If I pointed out that Republican lawmakers uh, of Republican states who have been driving to protect individual freedom and jobs and all that uh, were had increase in population uh, compared to the Democrats who wanted to impose more government control, uh, probably my liberal friend uh, would have blamed it on Trump somehow, some way, somewhere. You think I kid you? I, I kid you not. I kid you not. He would have imposed it um, somehow, some way, somewhere. I'm gonna call him up and ask him. You know, he'll. I might even try to get him on the show. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. He already. Yeah. Uh, uh, the production is curious. They want to. And he's he's in. I'll, I'm gonna see if I can do that. Oh well, we'll never know. Maybe I'll, I'm gonna try it. Uh, by the way, uh, on LGBTQ. The W, X, Y, a Z, right? And all the above. Um, boy, let me find my, in my midnight all yard here, let me find my hubcap here. Oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, uh, this doesn't surprise me because one of the things that the black culture has always resented is the gay, God, that word's been retired. It used to be a great word, meant happy. Um, the gay population likens itself to the misery it says it experiences to the misery of the black population. And the black population has never really liked gays. I don't know if you know that or not, but has never taken kindly to that. Um, has told the gays, gays, um, that you ain't nothing compared to what we've been through and we can't escape it because all you got to do is look at us and see that we're black. And if you don't come out quite often, although some people can tell right away, um, that you, you, you don't, you, you're not comparable to the misery or situation or rejection or all the above or whatever you want to call it that we've been through. So the, the black culture has never taken kindly and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm never wrong. But correct me. I'll, I will correct myself if you correct me. Um, the black culture has never ta taken kindly to the black to the gay culture trying to assimilate itself into the black movement. Um, and now Rasmussen has polled this and has come up with some data that you might find interesting. Okay. Uh, Do you recall students, those of you who are alert and had your hat on right, um, um, the discussion about um, um, biologically there are only two sexes, okay? And I, I, I talked with you yesterday about the turmoil this has caused in women's prisons. Because, I mean, after all, mama didn't raise no fool. If you are a, a male prisoner and you just feel a little bit fluid. Well, you can request to be housed in the female prison. 
And under the state's own definitions in California, for example, they can't turn you down. And once you're in there, it's Katie bar the door. You'd think you died and went to heaven. Why would you ever want your sentence commuted? <clears throat> well, nine out of 10 black Americans reject the claim that there are more genders than two male and female sexes. This is according to the Rasmussen poll. Uh, just three of the roughly 150 blacks interviewed strongly agreed that there are more genders than female and male. 102 strongly denied that claim. And that's the core element of trans. I, I, I learned this from this article, students. The core, this is going to be on the test. The core element of transgender ideology. What is it? You can bet that's going to be on the test. What is the core element of the transgender ideology? It is that there are more genders than female and male. Are you kidding me? You cannot be serious. Scientifically, you cannot be right. So 82% of black respondents agree with the two sex option. And all of whom practically who responded to the poll were Democrats as most blacks are. Most blacks are Democrats. So isn't that interesting? The black Democrats. Now, this is another riff as far as I can tell. This is another divide between the liberal white, the Alexandra Ocasio-Cortezes, and the blacks. Because they're not buying it, and they're Democrats. This is a very sharp distinction. Nearly all of these blacks voted Democrat. And they did not endorse the view that there's more than two genders. So now this is left, okay, a problem for the Democrat Party. How in the hell do you play your cards in? Do you kowtow to the Alexander Ocasio-Cortezes and the progressive left and their shrill voices about climate change and we're all LGBTQ. Or if you do, you're going to leave the black vote. But here's the issue. If I were the strategist for the Democrats, I would say, don't worry about it because the blacks will never leave the Democrat Party. Never. <clears throat> never. So you can tell them. And you, you, you would think, you would think that'd be an insult to them, but it's not. Because they're, they're, they're given so many things, they're bought off so much by the liberal whites that they don't mind being slapped in the face once in a while by the liberal whites. And the slap in the face this time will be the liberal whites ignoring the lack of black endorsement for the LGBTQWXYZ. And the challenge for the black, uh, for the Democrat Party is to hold under their tent both the LGBTQWXYZ and the blacks. And they can do it. What they do is they got to pay a lot of attention to the LGBs and very little to the blacks because they got the blacks. That's the way I play it. Now, the joker in the deck is the Latinos. 
and the Latinos are leaning Republican. They are a rising opposition to the transgender claim. And they are the ones that can swing these elections. And they are more conservative than they are liberal, more common sense than they are scatterbrained. And they are leaning toward, and certainly the original Cubans, I'm not talking about the, 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 the Cubans' children who have been corrupted by American life and who don't know anything, you know, about the original Cuba. Uh, they're, 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 they're all over the place. But I'm talking about the original Cubans. And a Cuban explained it to me once upon a time. He said that the reason we've lost the children and what we stood for as people who came here and escaped communism is because the children no longer have sitting at their dinner table with them an old man down at the end to tell stories about what it was like in the Castro confrontation. When that man died, those kids had nothing to listen to but American television. And that ended. And that's true of everything. That's true of everything. Nobody knows the real story of slavery because there's nobody sitting at the end of the table who was an actual slave. And there's nobody sitting at the end of the table who was an actual slave owner. So here we are. So it is, it is pretty interesting. Where do the values come from in the Latino, remember we had a Latin X too that became a conversation that I talked about with you a while back. But where do the Latinos and the Asians uh, come from? Family-oriented people. Family-oriented people. The blacks are not family-oriented. And we know that. And we know how that happened. The whites broke up the family with entitlements. And you know, this is a kind of a generality, but it's not a statistical generality that what we created were women having children with different males and being paid to have them by the government. So we broke up as, as liberal left Democrats, we fractured, broke up, splintered, destroyed the, the black family. The Latinos and the Asians have not had their family destroyed yet and may never particularly the Asians but the Asians are being discriminated against at Harvard so to be sure that the black gets in or the person of color or the Native American like Pocahontas Warren <clears throat> well I think it's fascinating I, you know, somebody asked me the other day, what, what the heck are you doing this stuff for? You know, half the community hates you because you've always needled them and, and, and uh, sticking a, a poking a finger in their eye and making the liberals uncomfortable. And the other half is afraid to publicly support you. And so you're out there dangling by yourself. Why do you keep doing it? Well, the reason I keep doing it is because so far I've been able to make the ends meet uh, and keep production going and, and practically nothing for myself. And, and uh, keep my mind active, really keep my mind active. 
by going through the reading and the preparation for class. And I guess that's really one of my big motivations because um, I, I don't see you in person. I'm not in a room with you, um, but I do watch your comments and I do occasionally get a, an email from you. <clears throat> um, I suppose we need to go back and uh, huh, I thought we kicked this can down the road, but uh, maybe we'll have to come back to it. There's one thing um, I haven't talked about today is crime. Uh, I haven't talked about um, um, the economy, which I keep saying I'm going to talk about. Got a lot of paperwork here to do it, stuff I've researched. Uh, I, I've gotten some more information from you all, of course, you um, guys on the research team, about the uh, woman who slapped the 80 year old guy. And, um, you know, she turns out to be a hot tamale. She was a um, playboy, this and um, um, I don't know, Oakland Raider cheerleader. She fit right in with those guys. And um, um, I haven't been able to find out anything about the man. And if any of you all out there can do that, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not, who was the gentleman? What did he do? I mean, uh, and no, I, that's been covered up. I mean, and, you know, I, he hasn't come forward. And I don't blame him for not coming forward. Because the haters, and here's what I'm going to talk about. Um, the haters are after the Oregon father who uh, played the joke on Uncle Joe, who didn't know reality from fantasy. And the father pointed it out with the joke. Um, um, what's happened is now, the first, now there's a second cover-up. The first cover-up was a reporter at the NASCAR race event who said, hey, they're just saying, let's go, Brandon, when actually they were saying F-bomb Joe Biden. Now, uh, MNSBC and some of these other media outlets are beginning to smear this guy, and uh, they're beginning to say uh, uh, things. Let me see if I can get exactly what they've said. Um, uh, here it is. Here it is. It's a slogan. Here's one, here's one news outlet, um, a big one says it's a it's a slogan it's a cry of the insurrectionists and it's a mantra for those who want to violently take those who want to violently take over this country and oppress everyone who's not like them it is absolutely the flip side of the coin so of course all roads lead to blaming trump uh, trump is the one behind this because the guy is a Trump fan. He wore a MAGA hat. And here's another article on it. And this is out of a um, Daily Caller. Um, NBC News has called, um, uh, let's go, Brandon, quote, unquote, a right wing slur. And that this guy ambushed the president with a slogan that, quote, is code for an expletive aimed at the president, end quote. My God, this is nothing compared to what Trump had to put up with. Absolutely nothing. And they're praising old Uncle Joe for taking the stride, uh, taking the remark in stride. He didn't even understand what he heard. It is amazing, my friends, 
And my, 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 let me tell you something. My liberal lunch buddy didn't even know about Let's Go Brandon. Huh? Huh? Here is the first lady's press secretary says that it is, let's go, Brandon, is sick, tasteless, classless, disrespectful, and appalling behavior. That's a mouthful. This is the first lady, Jill Biden's press secretary. Sick, tasteless, classless, disrespectful, and appalling behavior. The senior editor at The Atlantic, which used to be a sensible magazine, which is now a left-leaning mind trap, said the phrase was attempt to lead and continue the insurrection. NBC News calls it a slur. But never mind the fact that the Daily Caller points this out, that when Snoop Doggy Dog, and I can't believe how they've sanitized that character and now got him walking down the beach handing out beer. Um, well, he released a rap video. Do you remember this? Showing the assassination of Trump. And CNN called it the rapper's creativity. And Snoop Doggy Dog later re released a video that said, F-bomb you, Donald Trump, and everything you stand for. <laughs> Actor Robert De Niro, who is a nutcase that I like to get in the ring with. I'd like to get in the ring with that guy. He received a standing ovation, the jerk, at the Tony Awards for saying, F-bomb Trump. Can anybody explain this crap to me? Really? Can anybody explain this crap to me? Well, students, have a good one. Thanks for coming to class. Share the story with your buddies who didn't come. Let them cheat and copy your notes and all that stuff. Um, appreciate production playing a few ditties for you. We got a bunch more. Um, if your brains was large, you couldn't grease a frying pan. Oh, boy, I love it. Take care. Hope to see you soon. Warthog Command Center out.